Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Locked On Texans, your daily podcast covering your favorite football team every single day. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. And ladies and gentlemen, before we get started, I have to tell you, today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Remember, go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Ladies and gentlemen, today is Tuesday, which means we are literally two days away from the Houston Texans squaring off against the Detroit Lions inside the Motor City as they kick off the Thanksgiving NFL Turkey Game Day, however you want to call it. The Houston Texans have a Thanksgiving game. Before we start previewing Thursday's game, I do want to take a moment and just revisit a couple of key moments from the Texans 27 to 20 victory over the New England Patriots and I just want to revisit that because one we have not had a lot to celebrate from it seems like ever since Bill O'Brien made that trade to depart away from DeAndre Hopkins it seems like almost every single week John and myself we are coming on this show and just not happy we worry we stress out because you don't know the direction of this franchise so one more time we're just going to revisit Sunday's win a win that didn't come against the Jacksonville Jaguars, I might add, once again. But we're going to go back and revisit that. And I'm, I want to revisit that because normally we have him coming on on Friday. But because it's the holiday, and I'm pretty sure this man wants to enjoy Thanksgiving weekend with his family. Today, I will be joined by our cousin, our brother, our friend from Sports Radio 610, Mr. Brandon K. Scott, as we will discuss Sunday's game and, of course, the direction of this franchise. And before moving on, I do want to mention that Randall Cobb toe injury is a lot serious than what we all thought following Sunday's game. Aaron Wilson of the Houston Chronicle reported that Randall Cobb will be out for Thursday's game against the Lions. And there is a possibility as of right now, as as the time of this recording, nothing is set in stone. But as of right now, um, there's a possibility that Randall Cobb could be on IR and he is projected to miss three weeks. So that's bad news for Randall Cobb. Once again, speedy recovery. It's like I said on yesterday's show, and I've even said it in my tweet. It seems like the injury bug has really taken a toll on the Houston Texans over the past couple of weeks. Hopefully, we will be able to see him again before the season is over. However, Sports Radio 610's Brandon K. Scott on the other side of the break. Locked on Texans, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Listeners, let me tell you guys something because I think it's something that we need to discuss. Protecting my family is my number one priority. Uh, but I, I want to do it safely. The people at Taser believe that a safer self-defense is better self-defense. Taser's line of non-lethal self-protection devices are small and lightweight enough to carry with you or in your glove compartment or purse. Guns carry unnecessary risk for you and those around you. And even pepper spray can harm you as much as it harms the attacker. And it's 
often ineffective. Taser products are safer and easy to use. They use an electrical charge to immobilize attackers for up to 30 seconds, allowing you time to escape and send emergency dispatch to your GPS location. Taser devices come loaded with features like laser-assisted targeting and emergency dispatch, which will send response teams to your GPS lo location upon firing. More than 237,000 lives have been saved with Taser networks of devices, apps, and personnel. This holiday season, protect yourself and your family with Taser's line of smart self-defense products. Taser is available without a permit in most U.S. states. Get the Taser Pulse Plus or Taser Strike Light at taser.com with promo code NFL. Save 15% now at taser.com, promo code NFL, spelled T-A-S-E-R.com, promo code NFL. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Locked On Texans, only on the Locked On Podcast Network. Cody Davis here in the studio today with our guy, with our brother from Sports Radio 610, Mr. Brandon K. Scott. Brandon, what's going on today, man? Man, it's lovely, man. Weather's good. Close to the holidays. Texans got to win. Beat somebody other than the Jaguars for a change. <laughs> so, uh, man, it's, it's, it's good times around here for me. It was so good to see the Houston Texans defense finally step up. And, you know, that was part of the best part about this win that they had on Sunday, that this is a team. We know how terrible they 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 have been at stopping the run. And right. you was there. I was there. Anthony Weaver goes off, you know, doing his media availability on Thursday. And they I was actually kind of worried they was going into this game playing against the New England Patriots, who at the time was third in the league at rushing, rushing for 161 yards per game, and they held New England to 89 yards. So, Brandon, first question, you know, how did it feel to finally see the Houston Texans stop the run? But I kind of have a concern, and my concern with this is, where was this through the entire season? Because I don't know if you remember, after the game on Sunday, when we were sitting there talking to Justin Reed, Justin Reed made a statement that caught my eye. He said that the team actually finally believed in the defensive scheme. And my only problem is, so you're telling me through this whole entire season, none of these guys believed in the defensive scheme schemes that Anthony Weaver drew up. And if you remember, Romeo Cannell said a similar thing during his media availability Monday morning. Yeah, man, I think they've been trying to work through it. I, I don't think it's absurd for Justin Reed to maybe have not believed in the scheme. Cause I think a lot of us were question, questioning the scheme early on in the season. I think that's been a common critique and on both sides, both coordinators, first year coordinators, first year, or I should say first year play callers for sure. And in Anthony Weaver's case, a first year play caller. And I think they have been trying to work through it, trying to figure out how to play to their strengths. I think more than anything is that it is true that this is not a super talented defense, but Justin Reed would be one in our minds who wouldn't be uh, counted in that group of not so talented players. He's one of the players that's supposed to stand out. And he's a guy who I think has not had the season that he was planning on having, but Sunday was an opportunity to see, it was a kind of a glimpse, I should say, into one of the reasons why so many people like Justin Reed, 
why Justin Reed is a player that we view as a, you know, one of the building blocks of this defense of the future, you know, or going forward, you know, there's not, a, I don't think there's a ton of players on this defense that you're like, man, we got to have that guy. We just absolutely got to have that guy, you know, next year, the year after that, you know, JJ Watt is his own case, but even him, you could probably include in that given his situation. You probably think, man, who are the players that we just absolutely have to have next year? And it's probably, it probably goes Justin Reed, Zach Cunningham, and Bradley Roby in no particular order, you know, of guys that you want to keep. So, um, you know, it was, it was good to see them do better against the run. And you know, like they, they flew to the ball, like period. They were, they just looked like a totally different outfit. I think is what stood out is that it was like, man, what the hell is this defense? Because these are not the guys that I feel like I've been watching for 10 weeks nine weeks, whatever it is. And one thing that I would point out, though, is that it was curious to me how Josh McDaniels and the Patriots did not run the ball as much as you may have expected them to. You know, Cam Newton had three carries in the game. And I think that if if I told you that Cam Newton's only going to run the ball three times, you might have even betted me some money, even if you're not a betting man. You know, like I, I'm not, I can tell you for a fact, I'm not a betting man, and I would have taken that bet you know, more than three rushes, especially against the worst run defense in the NFL up until that point. So I think in some ways you could argue that Josh McDaniels, New England Patriots played into the Texans' hands by not running the ball, by not trying to punish them through the run game. Like, I, very odd to me that that was the case. And even, I think, after the game, Justin Reed was asked if he was surprised if or surprised by the Patriots not running the ball more. And he said he was, you know, he figured that Cam Newton, or I should say that he figured that Cam Newton would at least run the ball more. And that didn't happen. And so I, I think, again, that helped the, the the Texans run run defense, not having to deal with Cam Newton as much as you would think that you would. Um, I'm not sure what the reason was for that, but again, it played into their hands and, you know, that made them look a lot better than, they probably would have otherwise, you know, and I, that's not to take away from what they did because they looked like a defense possessed. They looked like a defense with chip on the shoulder, something to prove. These are things that Justin Reed talked about after the game. They absolutely looked that way. Yeah. One of the guys that you mentioned was is Zach Cunningham. He's actually second in the league right now following yesterday's game. He's actually second in the league in total tackles, but one of the biggest takeaways that I took from, from this game is the fact that the Houston Texans finally play their young, talented guys. And that's what I love the most outside of them being consistent for the whole entire game. But, you know, I hate knowing that it came because a lot of injuries forced the Houston Texans to go that route. But, you know, you take a look at a guy like Kiki QT and, and Brandon, you know me, I've asked about QT a lot of times throughout this season. And of course, you know, you take a look at what you saw from Jonathan Gennard, him getting his first sack of his career. Um, how... I don't want to say happy, but how excited were you to see not only these young guys step in, step onto the field and make an impact, but the fact that they actually was ready when their number was called? Well, I think it matters just in the bigger picture, right? Like in terms of what is this team going to look like in the future? What are the moves? What are the tough decisions that you're going to have to make during the offseason? Whoever that new general manager is, whoever that new coach is, who's coming in and 
you know, helping evaluate the team with the general manager, I'd imagine, you know, I imagine they'll work in tandem to some degree, hopefully to a large degree, you'd imagine. And, and so we don't know who those folks are going to be, but we know who the players are now. And when, you know, when you talk about young players, you want to know, okay, do I have to keep Randall Cobb? Do I have to, do I have to pay Randall Cobb, you know, $9 million a year, whatever it is, or is Kiki QT um, a, a more cost effect, effective option there, which is something that probably should have been a more, <laughs> you know, a more pertinent discussion before Randall Cobb was even signed, you know, especially if you look at Kiki QT and he has pretty much the same ability that Randall Cobb has. He just doesn't have the experience and the savvy and the understanding of the game. And I think that it's probably true that Kiki QT is benefiting from being around Randall Cobb. I don't want to discount that experience or whatever that might mean intangibly, but fact of the matter is Randall Cobb is probably making way too much money um, for the role that he's playing on this team. And if, if that's what the role is going to be, Kiki QT should be the one or it could be the one to, to fill it or it just makes more sense. And that's just on the offensive side. Not to mention on special teams with DeAndre Carter being released last week. And I, you know, I asked that question, the special teams coordinator, Tracy Smith, uh, during the bye week, like, hey, man, you know, why not more Kiki QT on the return game? Because let's be honest, he's probably prone to some of the same mistakes that DeAndre Carter was, but he seemed way more electric. Seemed like he was way more prone to also making a play doing something with the ball. And I, he, he didn't do a, like a whole lot with the couple of punt returns that he had uh, in the in Sunday's game against the Patriots. But you know that there's something there. So it's frustrating for fans, I think, to know that there's potential there with Kiki QT because you've seen it. You've also seen some, some mess-ups, some screw-ups, but you don't think that should disqualify a guy, especially if you, know, you got DeAndre Carter fumbling and not possessing the ball left and right from the last couple of years of him returning the ball. Why not put QT out there? So if this is what it took to get him out there, then so be it. I'm with you though. I, I wish that it didn't take this much, um, but it was really good to see the younger players. I mean, not just, I, I know I just spent a whole couple of minutes talking about QT, but John Grenard got his first sack of the game. That's great. Nice bull rush. You get to see how strong he is. Like, Let's be honest. Let's let's have a moment of of real right here, right? You seen any of the other other outside linebackers move like that? Make a move like that on anybody? That move nope. that John Kennard made to, nope. to get that sack? You ain't seen it. I mean, if we just real, we just have not seen it. You know, not at least not from what I can. And that's not to say that they haven't made any plays at all, but you saw something there that was different. It looked different. Um, Lonnie Johnson. You know, it's a project at safety right now. It's an experiment that they're doing right now, moving him from cornerback to safety. And they're working through it. But, hey, nice to see that, you know, you do realize that you can blitz the guy, that you can use this guy in uh, different blitz packages and things of that nature. Like, I've been wanting to see more of that thought that I would see more of that before now. And so that was probably the most exciting thing for me was those safety blitzes and watching, you know, as they call themselves, the evil twins. 
I think Lonnie's probably the evil twin in that scenario, whatever they're going for there with Justin Reed and Lonnie Johnson. But either way, it was good to see them active and doing positive things on the football field. And uh, yeah, man, uh, hell, even I think even Charlie Heck got a snap when um, he did one of the one of the one of the attack. I think maybe Titus Howard had to go was, out. For it was it. Titus like, Howard. I was like, look at him trot out there, you know. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, it was it was like, man, the the roof is open, the sun is out, the weather's beautiful, the young players are making plays, and there might be a future ahead. And to piggyback off what you said, you know, to me, Sunday, it kind of like it, it kind of felt like we got a glimpse of the future because we saw the young guys go out there and perform. The Houston Texans got a win. You know, we're going to talk about the greatness of Deshaun Watson here in a little bit. But I have been extremely hard on Lonnie Johnson Jr. all year long. And the performance that I saw from him on on, on Sunday lets me know that that guy has some type of talent. I finally see why a lot of people was excited, why a lot of people had has yet to give up on Lonnie Johnson Jr. The same thing with um, Jordan Aikens, and which I've been saying is all season long, that the tight end position might be the Texans' deepest position because it seems like every single week you always get two of the three guys stepping up. And I do think Jordan Aikens is the future at tight end for the Houston Texans. And speaking of money, look... <laughs> Nobody on this team deserved the amount of money like Deshaun Watson. Brandon, <laughs> is it just me? Or does it seem like ever since Bill O'Brien has gotten fired, and you take a look at what the Houston Texans were, basically what Deshaun Watson has been able to do, does it seem like we're starting to get a sense of how greater Watson could be? Because we always knew he was going to be great. But now... Tim Kelly, Romeo Cannell is basically just letting this man go out there and work. And my God, it seemed like every single week, this man is getting better and better. Yeah, man. I don't know. I think in some ways it could be a self-fulfilling prophecy because Deshaun Watson was probably going to be great either way. I thought Deshaun Watson in a lot of ways was great with, and sometimes in spite of Bill O'Brien, like, you know, the narrative is, and I buy into this is that Bill O'Brien in a lot of ways was holding Deshaun Watson back. But I think Deshaun Watson was going to be excellent no matter what, whether Bill O'Brien was still here or not. But to the, to the point that you're making, I think that things have loosened up a little bit. They're not as tense. They don't have to answer to Bill O'Brien anymore. And I think that, you know, Bill O'Brien was, you know, a singular powerful figure and force within the organization when he was there. You know, and, and that that grew, right? He was the head coach, obviously, when Deshaun got there already. And then over time, over the last year and a half, couple of years or so, he gained this control, this power within the front office. And, you know, as the at first the quasi-general manager and then later the actual general manager. And so there was a, I think, a power, a power dynamic there that existed that allowed Bill O'Brien to be sort of more of a force more of an authority voice where it's not to say that Tim Kelly and Romeo Cornell lack authority, but we got to be real about it. I mean, the most powerful person in that building now that Bill O'Brien is gone and it should have been Deshaun Watson anyway, you could argue, but now certainly should be Deshaun Watson. And so it's not like a matter of what he say goes. So that sort of thing, but I do think that his voice should be stronger and empowered by this. And that, that, 
might be maybe the underrated part of Bill O'Brien getting fired, at least from how we looked at it at the time. I know we probably hoped, a lot of people probably hoped that Deshaun would get better and would grow from this and whoever they end up hiring long-term will be somebody that's part of that growth and part of part of that maturation process. But I think just now in the immediacy, him being able to, to strengthen his, his voice and sort of be empowered by not being, you know, tied to the guy that's cutting guys and trading guys and coaching them at the same time and calling the plays and just doing all of these things, you know, like, Romeo Cornell's not doing that. Tim Kelly's not doing that. So now they can kind of really more so hone in, I think. And, you know, Tim Kelly, for whatever you think about him, it appears has the respect and the confidence of his players. It's it's always appeared that way. You know, like him or not, think that he's that he's good or not. And he and look, I think he did a hell of a job on Sunday. I want to give Tim Kelly some credit too. You know, abandoning the run, finally, thank you, abandoning the run when it was clear that that's just not what's going to get it done. You know, and and the, and the plays that he called, I thought were were very good. You know, I thought he was very good, and I think that he has the confidence, like I said, of his players, particularly of Deshaun. Um, one of them meant, even mentioned that. One of the receivers, I can't remember which one it was, but one of the receivers even kind of hinted it. I know it was Duke Johnson. You know, I asked him, couple of weeks ago what is the change in the offense from you know where it was earlier in the season inconsistent and struggling to where it is now to be in the strength of the team and he mentioned among other things mentioned you know confidence in, who, in who's calling the plays and if you tie it all together and go back <laughs> I think David Johnson a couple of weeks before that before he got hurt you know was asked what's the difference with Bill being gone and he said not too much except I think Tim Kelly's actually calling the plays kind of casually threw that in there tie it all together bring it all together and you see you see what's happening here you know um, I think that they are comfortable with Tim Kelly and confident in Tim Kelly and you know for what it's worth I mean he's not going to be here next year I doubt it very seriously um, but for what it's worth for right now it's all good we, we're going to get into the Deshaun Watson and coaching aspect on the other side of the break. But before moving on, I do want to say I was one of those people who believed that Bill O'Brien was holding Deshaun Watson back. But what I, what I will say, even if O'Brien was still here, would Deshaun Watson still be great? Well, of course he would. But I don't think that Bill O'Brien was the right coach for Deshaun Watson. It, it's almost like, James Harden, you know, he was great under Kevin McHale. And if Kevin McHale was still here, he will possibly still be great. But the Rockets put Harden in a position where he had a coach who was damn near perfect for his skill set in Mike D'Antoni. And that just took him to another level. And hopefully, prayfully, the next couple of weeks, he'll still be here to see what's going to happen between him and Steven Silas. But I'm hoping for that same thing to happen with Deshaun Watson because, look, the guy's talented. Hell, if I coach him, he probably will still look good. But if you give him the right coach for his skill set, I think that's when we're going to see Deshaun Watson go from a Pro Bowl level, MVP level, to possibly Hall of Fame type worthy level. So I love your comparison to James Harden and Kevin McHale. You know, like 
you know, and I, I was not a big Kevin McHale fan as a coach. Who was? But, <laughs> right. Yeah. But the the comparison you make there where it's just square peg, round hole, does not fit, does not maximize the talent. I think that is a perfect comparison. And I think that also illustrates why it is so important to find that right fit. You know, you already had Bill O'Brien here again. Like I mentioned, you already had him here when you got Deshaun, you know, that was already in place. So you had to figure out a way and it was on, it was on Bill O'Brien. Honestly, let's, let's, let's hold him accountable for this. It was, a, it was, he was tasked with finding a way to make that work, not trying to find a way to fit Deshaun Watson into Bill O'Brien's vision but to fit Bill O'Brien's vision into what is Deshaun Watson, especially like if he didn't buy in in the beginning, if he wasn't necessarily sold on Deshaun and they're probably, you know, believe what you want to believe. There are opinions about that, but certainly once the guy got here and showed, you know, once he finally made that decision, (laughs) you know, early, very, very early in that rookie year to throw him in there and he saw what it was. Now it's time to adjust. And I don't think he did a good enough job of that. And, you know, that's one of the many reasons of why he's not here. And, you know, the next guy or whoever the next person is, everything has to be viewed through that lens. How do we maximize Deshaun Watson for however long we have him here? You know, I also want to tell you guys about Built Go, right? It's it's just amazing. It's kind of sweeping the the workout nation is sweeping the gyms, is keeping everybody where they need to be. And uh, Bill Go just makes you the best you at whatever you do. That's what it does. That is the main objective. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break right through it with Go every day. Easy to take in a 1.5 ounce packages. Put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever. If you're playing some flag football with your boys, it's good for that. Or you can just put it in your pocket to get through the day. Bilgo is the best workout gel on the market. It's a five-hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's so natural for the body. It's just completely better. It's like drinking a monster with a third of caffeine and better results. With three delicious flavors, peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and my favorite, chocolate mint. I like mint. You know, mint, mint it gives you like this fresh feeling at the end. You know what I mean? Whenever you drink it or eat it. Built Go combines energy gel with a collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into the system fast. Plus, it's easy on the stomach. Built Go is loaded with good stuff and it's great to ignite your work. It ignites my work as well. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, and you'll get 30% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go! Last week, Ian Rappaport of NFL Network reported that the Houston Texans were considering bringing back Romeo Cannell as the Texans head coach and Jack Easterby as the general manager. And I wasn't surprised by it. You know, this is something that we heard a little bit of rumblings around the organization, you know, the possibility of both of these guys coming back, starting with Romeo Cornell, you know, he's the interim head coach and Brandon, you know, this anytime you have an interim head coach, their name nine times out of 10 is always going to be 
in the mix to be the next head coach. You know, going back to the Houston Rockets a couple of years ago when we got rid of Kevin McHale and J.B. Bickerstaff took over and he had his name in the running to be the Rockets' next head coach. And of course, we all know that title went to Mike D'Antoni and I think he's now in Cleveland, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, so hey, J.B. Bickerstaff didn't do himself any favors. I, I'm a fan <laughs> of J.B. Bickerstaff, but I remember that little run and, you know, I was rooting for him. You know how we do. Yeah, we, we got to. <laughs> you know, we was rooting for him, but, it, it, you know, it did not, not, not. But go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. Regardless of the sport, if anytime you have an interim head coach, they're all their name is always going to be in the mix. However, <laughs> interim general manager or acting general manager, as they like to say, I find it funny that it took Bill Belichick to come out and say that he does not see Jack Easterby. He said he loves the guy. He enjoyed his time in New England, but he does not view him as a personnel type of guy. I find it very funny that after Bill Belichick made that statement, then the organization comes out and say that report was not true. What's your take on that? All right, man. So I was a little bit connected to this, man, because I was on that call with Bill Belichick. And I didn't ask him the question. Shout out to Sarah Barship from ESPN for asking the question that, you know, I think I think everybody wanted the answer to. And, you know, she was able to ask it so delicately. You, you, you are in the press conferences and familiar with her demeanor. Um, but she says, you know, she's, you know, just excellent at what she does and just asked him a very direct question, series of questions about Jack Easterby and he answered them honestly. You know, the first one was, you know, again, glowingly about, you know, how he contributed to them in all these assortment of ways in his varied role with the organization. And then when she asked the follow-up just straight up, did you think that he would seek a higher spot in the personnel side? And he said, you know, nah, Jack's not a personnel guy. Just very blunt, straight up and matter of fact, I don't even think it was shade. I think he was just being just like straight up, like, nah, that's not really what he did. That's not really what he does. So, yeah, I mean, I knew immediately when he, when he was candid in that way that that was a quote that was going to resonate with people because that's already the feeling and the concern about Jack Easterby is that like, wait a minute, why again is he the one that's making these decisions? Why again is he in charge of the football team? Like we get that, you know, he's a great motivational speaker and that he, you know, has some, you know, level of intelligence and, and savviness about him and is good with people and impacts people's lives from by, by all accounts, apparently, you know, like one of those types, like maybe just the type of person that you want to have in your life or around, you know, something there beneficial, you know, but why is he building the football team again? You know, like what's, what's that about? You know? So I, I think that's the concern and Bill Belichick's quote validated that concern, you know, and it, it caused a bit of a firestorm, I think on social media. And well, not that I think I, I know for a fact, because I tweeted out the quote immediately once I heard him say it, you know, and I know from my mentions and, from others mentions who were on the uh who were on the call and you know it like it was a it became a thing and so i i think that the people brought it i, I know this the people therefore brought it to the administration you know Jamie Roots the team president goes on that 
call with season ticket ho- season ticket holders to you know i think mostly to promote his new book but also to you know speak with the with the customers and that came up in some form of fashion i wasn't on the call but that came up because it had just come up you know it had just been in the news like hey you know the greatest coach to ever do it or at least in our lifetime is saying that the guy that's running your team isn't a personnel guy what's that all about so i i think that it was you know a, a clear effort at damage control and you know seeking a moment of clarity here that they do plan on hiring somebody different from Jack Easterby. Um, but you know, they, they, they kind of put themselves in this situation by, you know, making Jack the interim GM to begin with, because I'm not really sure if that was the right call. I, I think that they could have made a personnel person, you know, one of the football people, an interim GM and it would have made, it would have been a non-story would have been swept under, but Jack Easterby. And I, I think this is also true that Jack Easterby as a lightning rod has caught them by surprise, has shocked them. You know, I don't think that they anticipated that, you know, that Jack Easterby would be the talking point that he is. And I think that's partly because they know Jack and I think they have a feeling for what, they think Jack's abilities and limitations are whatever that may be. And I think also because Jack's like such a, you know, nice guy, supposedly, you know, how, how he's portrayed, you know, that they figured like, who wouldn't like Jack, you know, and it's, you know, it's not even necessarily personal um, unless maybe you talk about the Deandre Hopkins trade. I think that gets personal, you know, cause you're like, what the hell? Um, but for the most part, it's just like, I don't know if this, or how this guy would be the one running your football team. I compare it a little bit to myself, man. We're like, I run the digital operation at sports radio 610. I essentially run the website, social media and, you know, podcasts and all of this other stuff, the digital operation. Well, I'm qualified to do that. I've done that at other places. I'm a, I'm a trained journalist. I very much qualified to do the job right on, you know, just perfect for the job that I was hired for. But they wouldn't hire me to be the program director. Because I, you know what I'm saying? Because I've never run a radio station. You know, I, I've, I wouldn't, there's a chance that I could do it, but that wouldn't make sense. And so it would make sense for fans of the, of the, of the station, for people who were on staff and, you know, anybody invested in Sports Radio 610, if they hired Brandon Scott to do my boss's job, People would be like, what the hell? You know, whether I can do it or not is beside the point. It's like, why is he being tasked with doing this? He doesn't have the resume, the qualifications, the, you know, the standing. It just doesn't make sense, you know? So I think that's what's happening here, you know, with, with Jack Easterby. And, and they had to, you know, they had to run damage control. And, and you know, it's not like they have a vice president of public relations or anything like that to rely on these days either, you know, so they got to get, they got to get out there and get a, get in front of things. And it's, it's refreshing to be honest with you. Cause you know, you want to hear from the people who are in charge, the people who are making the decisions, you know, even if it's in a limited capacity, man, you know, I've been saying this, I know you heard me say this before that this upcoming off season is possibly going to be the most important off season in franchise history, because Unlike years prior, you have your franchise quarterback. And we're not just talking about 
a guy who, you know, can possibly oversee this franchise for what, five years? No, we literally have a potential Hall of Fame candidate quarterback on this team. And what I keep saying over and over and over again, I hope somebody in the Texans organization run across Locked On Texans and use my advice. Do not waste the prom. Do not waste the talents of Deshaun Watson because you did it with Andre Johnson. You kind of did it with Aaron Foster, but you know he had injuries and other stuff going on with him. But you you damn sure did it with J.J. Watt. Do not make the same mistakes again with Deshaun Watson. And another thing that I've, that I've been um, keeping in my back pocket, I actually wrote about this on ESPN Houston last week when Romeo Cannell made the comparison between Watson and Dan Marino. And look, Dan Marino is an all-time great, but you also talking about one of the greatest athletes, not just NFL players, but one of the greatest athletes in sports history to never win a championship ring. And I don't want that same thing to happen to Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be the concern. Now, the Dan Marino comparison wasn't even a great one, though, when you think about it, because Dan Marino, it was at least, I, I feel like, in a lot of ways, like, the issue right now is that they they haven't even been competitive. You know, Dan Marino just didn't get back, you know, but he was still competitive. They still won games there in Miami. They They had some success and just couldn't get over the hump. The fear right now is like, hey, man, if you roll out teams like this every year, you ain't going to even be that. You know, this is going to be a, a whole nother different type of failure of, of, of on a different level, quite honestly. Like, you're not, you're not going to have a comparison for this. Uh, but, I mean, I, I'm with you there. Obviously, you don't want to waste the – I think that is the concern, right, is that, you know, you've already had Deshaun Watson for – you know, this is year four. You know, this is year four. And you look around – First of all, time it, it, this is all fragile. You know, you you don't know how long you're gonna have him at all. I mean, the man tore his ACL in his rookie year, and I think that was the second one he's had in his career. You know, all of this is fragile. But then you look around the league. Of course, Patrick Mahomes—that's a ridiculous standard, right? So it, it, the the comparisons are gonna be there because of the draft and the age and everything like that. But that's a ridiculous comparison. But you look around. And you see what guys are being able to accomplish by year four. And you're like, okay, well, it's time. You know, it, 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 he is no longer a prodigy. You know, it, it, it is no longer like, oh, wow, Texans have Deshaun. No, the Texans have Deshaun Watson. You know, like he is, he is the quarterback, you know. And so it's like, what are you going to do with that? It's not, oh, the future's bright. No, it's right now. You know, it's it is right now. I mean, the, the guy's 25, what is it, 25 years old? It's right now, you know. And so it, obviously you don't want to waste the prime of Deshaun Watson. The concern now is how do you avoid that? You know, what move do you take to make sure that that doesn't happen? And, you know, you said what I think is accurate. This is the most important offseason in franchise history because there there is no comparison really to all those other names that you mentioned wasted Andre Johnson's career yeah but that's a wide receiver I don't know how much like the thing that's gonna that's gonna hurt Andre Johnson more than anything is the lack of touchdowns but everybody knows that Andre Johnson was great he didn't win people don't really associate winning with wide receivers it's gonna be the same thing for Arian Foster shelf life of a running back short anyway had a great run. No one's going to knock Arian Foster for not winning it big. And 
if we're real about it, Arian Foster, Andre Johnson, and J.J. Watt were on the greatest Texans teams for yeah, whatever they were. They were, <laughs> they were on those on those uh, those glory years, if we can call them that. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, J.J. Watt. You know, you don't necessarily tie winning to the def defensive end position or any of the defensive linemen. But the quarterback, because it's the most important position in sports, the most scrutinized position in sports, and it is the leadership, the CEO on the field position in sports, we do this thing where we tie winning to greatness. And, and certainly winning is great. And winning is what makes you great. That's what we're all here for. No one wants to root for a loser, play for a loser, cover a loser, none of that. But Deshaun Watson is, like I was saying earlier, he's going to be great no matter what. He's shown that they cannot coach the greatness out of him. They cannot trade away the greatness out of him. They cannot miscast and sign the greatness out of him. Deshaun Watson is going to be great. What are the Texans going to do? Are they going to be great with him? Or is he just going to be this great player who goes on to have this Hall of Fame career, inducted in the Hall of Fame as a Texan and all of that, and that be the most you have to show for it was at least we had Deshaun Watson. At least we had this great player. We didn't do anything to surround him uh, with a winner. We didn't hire the right people. We didn't put the right people in charge. We didn't do any of that. But we had Deshaun Watson is that going to be good enough you know and, and to be fair I don't think that they are going to be trying to 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 botch this I think they're they're going to try their damnedest to make it happen um but you know we we'll just have to see man we'll just, we'll just have that but and that is why this is so important because this this will decide I think what type of team builder they bring in here what type of coach they bring in here is going to decide the future of Deshaun Watson as far as his legacy as a as a winner or just a great another great player well brandon you know only time will tell you know in the words of the great elder barge time will reveal you know <laughs> plain and simple i know you know that song know. but um you know normally we do these on thursday but you know this thursday not only do the houston texans play in detroit but of course we're talking about thanksgiving so brandon it's been fun talking to you today. That's part of the reason why John wasn't on the show with us today. He got some Thanksgiving foolishness that he's doing with his family. You may know he'll be back on the show tomorrow, hopefully. Yeah, man. It's, it's family time, man. John got <laughs> do, we, got do. we all got families. We all got to do our thing, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But with that being said, that concludes another installment of Locked On Texans, your daily podcast covering your favorite football team every single day. Brandon, where can the listeners follow you at on Twitter? Oh, man, I'm at Brandon K. Scott, man. You can follow me there. I'm always doing the Sports Radio 610 stuff, radio.com stuff, you know, all of the Houston sports, you know, not just the Texans. I know y'all love the Texans, man, but I'm covering Astros, covering Rockets, you know, pretty much everything, you know, and, of course, all of our shows that we do, pushing that out there. I'm also um, at the B Block. You can catch me at B underscore block underscore podcast. And, you know, subscribe to the podcast. It's the B Block. You can get it pretty much anywhere. Most of the, uh, most of the downloads come on Apple and Spotify. Y'all hit me up. And, uh, yeah, man. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.
You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.